Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. Action Jackson's on the ones and twos. And Dan McLaughlin is in studio. And what a thrill it is. Man, thanks, guys. That was delivered. So that was like Meryl Streep. It was so perfectly delivered. Because if you didn't know better, you'd be like, man, he's really, he's I'm really fired sincere. Up. I, know. I am fired up to be here with you guys and to stick around for a segment. And yeah, uh, Let's make that clear. It is for a segment. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I normally would stick around for, if you wanted me for an hour, I'd stick around for an hour. You would. I know you would. Because we'd get going um, on something. I, I know, don't know what it would be, but we would. It may happen today. But I've got four <laughs> kids at home on snow schedule. And uh, they're blowing up my phone about uh, sledding. We got to get them out sledding. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure. Are you we're... going to be sledding? I will not be sledding. You will not be. You will no, pass. There's but you not will cheer a chance. Them on. <laughs> yes, there is not a chance. Do you have a Do you have a hill in your neighborhood? Yeah, we got a couple of hills. I uh, I actually went with a, a buddy of ours in high school, my sophomore year, Dan Kurtz. Oh, our buddy I know Dan the great Kurtz. Dan Kurtz. So we were watching. I'll never forget it. It was. The Orange Bowl of Colorado and Notre Dame. Sure, the uh, Phantom Clip, as it's known in Notre Dame lore. That's Rocky right. Ishmael. And he uh, he scores. I think we watched that game, and then we went out sledding. And it was like watching the uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when he greases <laughs> up the thing. And I was like, hey, I'm going to show these guys I'm really cool. I can do this, too. And I go down the hill and just destroy my back. And it still hurts to this oh, day. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I was able to get through it, but every once a year it just it clamps up. I get uh, back spasms. I get like I can't move. Yeah, the whole nine yards. And this is because of a sledding incident yes. from the 1990 Orange Bowl. <laughs> Correct. Completely unrelated, for the record. That's you were right. Sledding at the Orange Bowl. No, I wasn't. Day of. Day of. We watched the game. and We were not sledding. They could drive. I went out with them. I'm like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to show these old guys I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I screwed up my back. <laughs> and I'm here to live and talk about it. Thirty years later. Yeah. On, not that uh, I'm bitter or anything. On 101, I don't blame you. What what, what injury did you have that like kind of? Ended your baseball career? Was it a knee? Uh, no, it was just it was called a curveball, and I couldn't hit it. <laughs> I thought you had an injury. <laughs> no, I no, I, I I've had various injuries. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. No, I was never that good. Well, I, I've heard things. I know you're going to be humble about it. It's kind of no, like Doug terrible. being humble about like he had a home run off Tom Seaver. Granted, it was you know post. Cincinnati yeah. Reds, Mets, Tom Seaver. It's still hit on run with Tom Seaver. Well, that's like I always say to Rick Horton. I said, you know, your first major league hit, and we got to go through the whole thing, and everybody in this town has heard it 8,000 times, but it is against Nolan Ryan. It's still Nolan Ryan. It's still Nolan yeah. Ryan. So, you know, that's what I always say to people. I said, oh, when you take the worst guy, whoever you think the worst guy is on the Cardinal roster or in Major League Baseball, it's still so much better than you've ever seen in your life. They are the elite of the elite. And if you see these guys up close, like I'm hopefully get back to this year and traveling and being around the club, 
you see things that are just like holy smokes before a game and how they hit, how they prepare, what they do. It's it's it is amazing. Well, uh, you've participated in the fantasy camp, correct? Yes, you did. Yes, and you've retired. Yes, <laughs> I'm done. It was a one and done appearance. I uh, did it in 2019, and I recall Ryan Franklin, former Cardinal closer, yeah. looking out at the landscape of the various uh, players on the opposition. And use spotting. that word loosely. <laughs> Players. Let's just say the guys that paid some money. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, that guy in right field looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to hit the ball at him. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. And here's a guy that if he were to go up, and I'm sure you called, you know, however many at-bats Ryan Franklin had with oh, the Cardinals, yeah. I would imagine it was less than 10. Yeah. He would look foolish if he were hitting. Probably gone in three pitches. Yep. In this case, he's not only able, of course, to hit a frozen rope at directly the gentleman who's probably a you know sixty three year old chiropractor sure. who's in right field. Not only hit it at him, but hit it in the direct spot where the gentleman would go for it, fall over, and then Ryan could circle the bases. Yes. And this is a guy that at the major league level would look foolish hitting, and yet he's because usually those guys with the shortstops are the first baseman offensively coming up, the most right. talented hitters, athletic. Exactly, yeah. and then they would become yeah. full-time pitchers right. in the big leagues. Dave Veers, not known for his offensive prowess while with the Cardinals, went yard. Oh, yeah, these it, guys can rake. That's the thing. So a uh, story in the camp that I've, I've been to all those camps, not all of them, I, many camps, um, participated in a handful but played in one where I was like truly a camper. So I took in the, the full experience because a lot of times I go down there for work for the Cardinals yeah. and doing interviews and stuff, and it's the only time we're going to see – some of the Hall of Famers or whatever. So, um, as you know, they do th- these meetings and they, you know, guys get after each other and it's no holds barred. It's it is fun. great entertainment. And, and everybody knows it's it in good the fun. ultimate roast. So, uh, one of the campers. <laughs> I know they, this story and they, it's awesome. I had, I actually had a walk off hit. And so they're like, oh, Dan McLaughlin got a walk off hit. Not only announced the game, but he got a walk off. Hey, everybody's going crazy. And who gave up that hit? And I'm not going to say who it was. And they brought up the individual that um, that gave up the walk-off hit. And they said, well, what did you think? And they said, and he said, well, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, I've heard that fantasy camp makes you want to feel like a big leaguer, so I felt like Ryan Franklin talking about giving up a walk-off hit. <clears throat> now, the thing is, the campers take a lot of the heat, not necessarily the former players and correct. certainly the Hall of Famers. A little bit, but not a lot. So said player stepped in against Ryan Franklin. Ryan Franklin wasn't that far removed from retirement, but I mean he's probably, I'd say three, four years. That you know he hasn't played in Major League Baseball. The gun is still showing the velocity of what these guys are throwing. Ryan Franklin was throwing in the low nineties. Oh boy. Yeah, he, he took a couple of uh, shots in the ribs. <laughs> he said, I wanted to make sure you felt what it's like to be a big leaguer since you wanted to experience what it's like, so here you go. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's, that's a little reminder. It's yeah. a wake-up call on the off chance you think you're going to go down there and recapture the glory. Well, the, we also had one of, the, one of the, the segments that we had, and I don't think they do it anymore, was do you think you can hit a big leaguer? And so Izzy was down there. Oh, Franklin boy. was still there. I hit against Brad Thompson. I think he broke my bat, but I at least put it in place. So I was happy about that. Um, not very hard. Exit velocity of like eight miles an hour. But I was like, yep, put it in play. And I walked right off. I was like, I'm done. I don't care. I'm done. I just want to get out of the box. But those guys were still throwing like high 80s, low 90s. It, it, and they were done playing Major League Baseball. 
And so when you are, uh, and we've had priests down there, we've had doctors down there, there's accountants down there, guys that haven't played baseball since they were Little League. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're asked to go in against Jason Isringhausen, who's throwing 92 miles an hour. <laughs> and then he might switch it up with uh, the breaking ball that yes. comes right at your head. So, you go bailing, exactly. and then it cuts right back over the plate. That's what he promised me. If I got a chance to hit against him, would it be exactly what happened? Exactly. So I'd throw that breaking ball, you'd run away, and then it would cut back over the plate for a strike. Yes. So just so you know. Yep, yes. There it is. Yeah. And that's what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. But it is fun. It's so much fun it's to go the down best. there. So what are you, planning-wise, Yeah. what are you, like... I'm just like wait and see, man. Is that what it is? Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a chateau that you can no. go to? There will nope. be no chateau this no, year. No. No need to book a chateau if you don't know there will be a need for a chateau. I think there'll be a need for a chateau. You do. I just don't know when. Now, I, I wouldn't anticipate. And I, again, I have no information. Everybody's really pretty much tight-lipped about this. They have been that from day one. Uh, I try to talk to people and hear what they're hearing, and and some of these people are as tied in as anybody, and they're like, yeah, everybody's pretty quiet about it, and we're just trying to get through it. You know, depending, like, if, if you were, like, two months into a season and you weren't playing, I would assume then they would just say, okay, when we come back to play, we'd have camps at our home ballparks, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I mean, since they've the, done that recently. Yeah, you did it during the, the COVID year. What's the the use of going down and, and, you know, going to that facility in Florida? That's That would be my guess. I don't know. Maybe they want to go down there, but I think we're going to, you know, my, my gut feeling is we'll get a deal done, probably a delay of spring training of some sort. But um, I think everybody understands that this is so important to get it done. I've said it a million times, Tim. I mean, it's not just it's important for the sport. Clearly, it's vital. But where we are in our world, you know, I mean, we're, we're still in a pandemic and there's been a lot of people affected and inflation is high and. People need a diversion and all those different things that come into the realities of life. And part of those, part of what we enjoy as people and as sports fans in this town is, is Cardinal baseball and and just having the season back. Now I do think there'll be more of a focal point on it once the Super Bowl ends. Yeah, you know I always tweet out when it hits triple zeros and the Super Bowl's over. I'm like, okay, it's baseball season. And then you, you start getting into that realm of like, okay, what's going on here? Well, you'll have a limited or none, uh, and as the case might be, with the NHL. Yeah. Right after the Super Bowl, February 13th. College basketball is college basketball. But other than that, Little you have this, and, yeah. Yeah, you have this nothing. So then I think you will get some attention on it, whereas otherwise people either aren't talking about it or it's just flying under the radar because of whatever other sports that people are paying attention to. I also think that... People in St. Louis, this is truly, if not the best, one of the great baseball cities oh, yeah. in the world. So here we are on morning radio. We'll talk about the Cardinals, but I think if generally speaking across the country and you are taking a poll or sample of who's talking baseball right now, nobody. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of out of the sports conscience right now, but when football ends... It, it's going to be front and center, and people, you know, even the casual writer or broadcaster or whatever in sports is going to say, okay, where, where are they at with this? What's going on? Now, is spring training too long? You can make that argument. I bet some players would say, hey, I don't mind, you know, if we if we report a week or two late. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like spring training, especially nowadays, is built for um, pitchers just to build up. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you've got your, your regimen and your plan to get ready for opening day and make your starts every fifth day. But position players, these guys come in in such great shape. They work out, personal trainers, they're hitting. Um, it's good to get live BP, get live action. You know, they probably need a handful of games, and I think some of them would say, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I really believe that. The unfortunate thing, though, 
is like I would love to see a full camp of Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Yvonne Herrera. They're all in the the top 100 of Keith Law's uh, top 100 prospects. I mean, I want to see those guys and see how they fare if Max Scherzer's making a start for the Mets down there in yeah. Port St. Lucie and you get to see Jordan Walker against him. That's yeah. kind of the fun of spring training. Yeah. You, may, you may not see some of those matchups. Yeah, the up-close and personal element of it. I would imagine a deal gets done in March. That's my play. Do you think that is optimistic? Do you think that's in the yeah. right right realm? I, I, or do you I'm, think we could get before March? I'm optimistic before. Nice. I, I that's think, good to hear. Yeah, I think there's a sense of pressure to get this done because of some of the things I said. And I think the people in baseball, I'd like to believe this, understand that it's so important to get back on the field. You can't miss games. And players certainly don't want to miss games. They start getting paid, and they want a full 162. So I think, yeah, I think it's important that they say, hey, we'll acquiesce on some of this stuff for the betterment of just all of us getting paid because we want to make money. And we can't have the sport shut down. Like, yeah. it's a can't have that right now. You just you just can't. Dan McLaughlin with us here. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Final question, and yes, then we'll sir. let you go to uh, tend to the sledding. Uh, <laughs> Twenty years ago today, Rams Patriots. Were you were you in attendance for that? I was not. I had just gotten back from Vegas. I was really happy though because I had had a hell of a run in Vegas. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. What did you do well on? I always uh, am happy blackjack. I made an all night run. On a heater. Yeah, and my wife had to pull me from the table to make the uh, flight, so we got back to St. Louis to watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember it fondly. Yeah, I walked away with thousands of dollars. I was good very for happy. You. That's yeah. awesome. Look at not that. like tons, but it was a, it was a good run. Sure. It wasn't like losing thousands, but yeah, it was. Were you playing multiple stations, or were you just going on one and you just were on a heater? What was your what was so, your strategy? As you know, being a Vegas, you know, you love Vegas. Um, even in Vegas, at night, it'll clear out. I mean, you can oh, if, yeah. you want, if you get on a table by yourself, you can find a table by yourself. Absolutely. So I was going, I was up, you know, doing well. And then I just started doing stupid things, like crazy stuff that I would never do. And started hitting on everything. Yeah. Give me an example on, of one of the crazy things you did to give me an kings. idea. Did that one time. Wow. <laughs> because I was on such a, I mean, yeah. just stupid stuff. And then doubling and had multiple hands going and win and bust the dealer and doing stupid stuff that would no one in their right mind should ever do. And I would win on everything. It was the best run I've ever been on in my life. Was your wife watching and support or was she like, this is this is ridiculous, we have to leave? She was asleep, packed all my stuff, then came down, said, Let's go. We gotta go. And I slept on the way home and then watched the Rams and the in the Patriots in that Super Bowl, which was so tough to watch. By the way, we had a, a great guest. Let me find his name. You got to listen to the. What he, do we have going on? I always so, love a good interview. Uh, he was. It was Ken Rogers. I don't know if you ever visited with him. So he's the director they, of a thirty for thirty. They've got the Tuck Rule. Oh, the Tuck Rule. Okay. The, oh man. The call I love the 30 for 30s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he uh, he came on with us at I think it was eight. I'm um, excuse me, like nine forty nine forty five. If if folks get a chance to listen to it. So he's on just a half maybe hour it's 9:30. ago. Nine thirty. Yeah. Today. Maybe okay. 30. With myself and Randy. When is that 30 for 30, Aaron? It's this Sunday in St. Louis ah. at like 7 or 7.30. Oh, I'll be all over that. But he he talked about the tentacles of the tuck rule and what happened with, he said, Steve Mariucci very, could have, very well could have become this head coach. John Gruden doesn't do this. Tom, I asked him, I said, do you think Tom Brady, I said, did you ask? Because Tom Brady and Charles Woodson basically sit down and just go back and forth in the tuck rule. And then they get both owners, and then he gets Belichick. He gets all these different guys talking about it. But I said, do you think Tom Brady, if they lose that game, um, 
is still the quarterback because they had so much money dedicated to Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe yeah, yeah, he's yeah, over a hundred yeah. million dollars. And he goes, he said Brady was very honest and said probably not. He said he was. I'm paraphrasing, but he said he there was doubt. I think is what he sure. said that he would still be the starter after that. So then maybe you don't have the legacy of Tom Brady coming wow. back as a starter. Wow, 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 wow. It was really wow, interesting. Wow. But he talks about how it just changed the fortunes of all these different franchises. And as it pertains to St. Louis, changed the fortunes of yeah, what happened Yeah, I don't know. Here. I mean, do the Raiders beat the Rams? If, if the Raiders would have won that, the, the Patriots had to beat the Steelers first. Right. And Drew Bledsoe actually wanted to play in that because Brady got hurt. That's right. And then there was a back and forth as to whether or not Brady or Bledsoe would start, which I had forgotten completely about, but I watched that Brady man in the arena thing. Favorite 30 for 30 of all time, go. See, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to wind up keeping you for an hour. I'm just going to stop right here. No, it's okay. This is what happens. The the favorite 30 for 30 is on SMU. Oh, wow. The death penalty. Pony Pony Excess. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The Pony Express? Excess? Yeah. Yeah, whatever that. I thought that was fascinating. Like to see how they just dismantled the entire football team, yep. and I mean how badly the death penalty affected football, and they couldn't win a game. And it's like you and I going out there to play safety and linebacker <laughs> the next year after they got Eric Dickerson, you know, ready to go for the national title. I, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Give me, give me, some, but maybe uh, I really liked. I liked Catholics versus convicts. I, I enjoyed that, that one was a lot. The sweet spot of my sports me fandom. Too. I was. 10, 11, 12 years old in that range. That also happened to be the same day of Kirk Gibson's home run. Yes. Fun facts for no one tell, October of 88. Uh, but I thought the one that was so well done was the U on Miami football. That's probably my the first one I like better yeah, than the yeah, second. Absolutely. I think Actually, were, I think that is my favorite. The U, looking yeah. back on the Rock. Because I didn't know, being my age, I'm, I didn't remember the, that they were kind of a nothing. That 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 school is a nothing football program. And Howard Schnellenberger. Howard was, Schnellenberger. Yeah. Was it Schnellenberger? Jimmy Johnson? Dennis Erickson? Is that the? I think that's the, that's uh, the trajectory. Yeah, and, um, and what they became. And I don't know if they will ever regain. I remember watching live that Cotton Bowl when they had like whatever it was, two hundred yards in like misconduct penalties or whatever it was. It was just something ridiculous. And watching them dancing and doing all the things. I mean, I was like, this is awesome. Right. You know, I thought it was great. And I'm just a, you know, a guy like watching the game. I thought it was fun to watch. I love those things. Yeah. And I've talked about it and here's, I'm going to get you going. I'm not going to try to get you going, but I would love a 30 for 30 on the St. Louis Rams oh. and what took place here with the if, fun if and game, get, so to speak, which I know is a topic near and dear to both of our. And if Randy were still lurking, we'd, we'd oh. do another 10 hours. If you get Grubman, you get Demoff, <laughs> oh, God. you could get Goodell, you oh, yeah. get Kroenke, I mean, all these guys. And just say, like, inject true serum for the <laughs> interviews and how amazing that would be to oh, see. Yeah. But I still think you could do it without them involved with now this trial being settled and some of the things that maybe you never heard of publicly mm-hmm. that now can come out publicly that won't affect a trial or anything like that or settlement, I think it'd be fascinating oh, to see some of that and stuff. And for people to know, and unfortunately, you would pr- I would start it if I were producing it with Vinatieri's kick because I feel like that was the... I've always felt that too. The butterfly effect moment. If that ball doesn't people go through... with me, but I think it really? does okay, too. Really? So yeah. Because that, that gives it. you two... And Randy brought up a great point. After that Super Bowl, Kurt Warner only started seven more games for the Rams after that Super Bowl. Is that right? That's what Randy said, and that caught my attention. Now, I believe he's correct. Randy doesn't mess up that stuff. Oh, yeah, he doesn't. He wouldn't mess that up. how that changed the trajectory of this franchise. Oh, sure. And Kurt Warner goes and and takes Arizona to 
a in Super Bowl. 2000, the 2008 season. Yeah, against Roethlisberger That's and uh, the Steelers. So, Antonio Holmes game. Yeah, I it just it's pretty fascinating, man. But uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think it uh, you win two. It because now other people argue with me and say no, the fix was in once Kroenke got the the team, no matter what. Even if the team was rolling, his eyes were set on going out west. And I get west. that, but you have to fast forward to 2010 and him exercising his right of first refusal to get there. Yeah. You're skipping over years of negotiations, whether it be somebody buying the franchise or somebody in the government going, okay, we can't let a two-time Super Bowl winning team that may have become a dynasty That's right. because you wouldn't have Martz and Zygmunt and Army and their infighting go on. Exactly. And then the disasters that followed in right. between 2002 and 2010 in Kroenke. Because you win and all of a sudden you yes. think, well, do we really need to address this, that, and the other? And we have it in place, and now let's go do it again, and now let's put our money allocated different spot. I mean, it just it changes everything. I agree. I think it's a butterfly effect. There. All right. I, I see it's 1025, and look what I did. <laughs> it's all good. I basically kept it two segments without taking a break. So this is one of the things being here at 101 ESPN. You know, it, at our previous operation, we didn't have what we call commercial breaks. You see, I'm using air quotes. <laughs> and so this clock thing is the first time yeah. I've had to adhere to you a clock. You could just do it anything you want. It. It's a free for all. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I did enjoy it. All right, Dan, thank you so much. Enjoy the uh, sledding. Always great oh, to yeah. talk with you every Thursday here. We'll take a break. Come back with more Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here, Action Jackson. Across the way, I was talking with Dan there during the break. Did you do your Sports Center update? Were we talking over you, or is that still no. something I can look forward to? You still got that to look forward now you're, to. Now you're good at it. Ooh, the, the, when you say that, that's when you invite in. I know, that's exactly what I'm doing right I here. I know. And I've then, got you thinking I'm on a flush draw, and I've got a full boat. Right. You have no idea what's about to hit you coming yeah. up on this Sports Center update. Right. You don't well, even know. Let's hope. All we can do is pray. Uh, enjoy talking it over with Dan. It, that's Here's the problem with me, and I'm sure many of you can text in more of them at 65780, but I'm going to limit it to one at this moment. If I get going, the guest is stuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing So they that's do. why I said to Dan, I said, what do you want to do? He goes, I can do one segment. The kids are home from school. I go, I get it. So I'm conscious of it. I'm, but then I want to keep asking more questions. And then we get going on the Rammies thing, and we both are passionate about a 30 for 30 the whole thing. Oh, I have an answer to that. Chris Heron. I like the Chris Heron one. Unguarded. You ever watch that one? No, I don't even know what we're talking about here. Boston college this? player. Play then played that uh, for the Celtics, and he was addicted to drugs. Oh, it's fascinating. Is that right? Oh, it's, for some yeah. reason, I feel like that name is familiar, but I can't picture it. So, okay, that's a Chris good Heron. Yeah, it's I could really sit and good. watch 30 for 30s all day. I can't Absolutely. get enough of them. Yeah. So the tuck rule one will intrigue me. Somebody texted, and while we were... Uh, talking, Dan and I were talking, that ESPN would never let us do a 30 for 30 on it. And I would agree that right. they would they would not want to err in no. their business partners with the NFL. No. I do agree with it. But the story, the story of what transpired, I think absolutely would fascinate people. I, when it gets down to it, though, I think most people around the country go, well, St. Louis lost to an NFL team. You saw Preston Wilson, the former Cardinal. I saw that. Out of nowhere. Right. Tweeting that on Sunday night and then apologizing after people pointed out some of the things that he had wrong. <laughs> But I think most people go, ah, they belong in L.A. St. Louis had them for a couple decades, but St. Louis lost two NFL teams, so it's a baseball town. And that's the convenient narrative. Right. And then 
off we go and just go, yeah, the Rams belong in Los Angeles and St. Louis doesn't deserve an NFL team because they've lost two. And that is just not uh, that's not accurate. Uh, all right, let me see what we got here. People uh, texting in throughout the course of it. Uh, best 30 for 30 of all time, winning time, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. I would imagine that is something that resonates with you. Love that one. Love the Fab Five one. That's one of my favorites. I love the Fab Five one. That's so fascinating to me. That's another good one. But yeah. that's the thing. Like, what's a bad one? There was one that was animated that I thought was going to be good. Maybe it was on the Tyson fight and the night Tupac was shot. Oh, wow. But that's the thing. You would think it would be good. Right. 1996. Yeah. But it was, from my standpoint anyway, right. I just thought it was really poorly done. I thought it was, there was a lot of animation. That's what I remember Was the McGuire and Sosa one a 30 I didn't think 30? that was that great right. I didn't think it. I thought it was just, it was a nice like highlight reel kind I didn't, of. I thought, I thought there's so much there and I didn't feel like they got it. Yeah. That that was my takeaway from that one. That's a good, That was relatively recent. That yeah, was yeah, that was in the pandemic. Um, let's see. You guys need to do a 30 for 30 on the 16 years of 1996 to the 2011 Cardinals. That's from the 573. Now, that is something that locally, and I shouldn't say locally because then people think St. Louis, uh, regionally, regionally, so beyond even the Metro East and St. Charles County and Jefferson County and all parts in between and to and fro, I'm talking about the Midwest, yeah. parts of the South, uh, people would be super interested in. I don't think nationally the 1996 to 2011 Cardinals would carry that much interest. I think when people think of teams from 1996 to 2011, they would more often think of either the Yankees or the Red Sox, uh, the Yankees dynasty beginning with the 1996 World Championship. But locally, 1996, they go to the NLCS with a team that, when you look back on it, that they were a win away from beating one of those great Braves teams uh, with the roster they had, not to say that it was a bad roster, but comparatively speaking to say the 2004 Cardinals or even the 2000 Cardinals, um, you just go, man, that team was a win away from the World Series. Uh, then the next year they trade for McGuire. You have 98 and he had 66 and 99. And then in 2000, really, the, the run began. Oh, yeah. And it's a run that kind of hasn't stopped. Now, I know there hasn't been a world championship in a decade, but there have been nothing but winning seasons minus 2007. And even in 2007, the team was in the mix right. for a playoff spot right. entering September. Right. But uh, I recall talking with Jim Edmonds, and he said the 2000 Cardinals were his favorite team. That's Not necessarily because they were the best, yeah. but because they were the funnest. Sure. It was a fun group of guys, distinct personalities. Um, Will Clark, certainly, uh, and then he would love to basically, the term I would use would be haze, but I believe that is now no longer in style to use the term, but I'm not necessarily in style either. Hmm. So we're going to use the term haze, uh, Rick Ankeel and J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew and Rick Ankeel were responsible for go getting uh, his Budweiser's <laughs> following the game, and he would sit there with his gut over his belt after he had just gotten three hits and talked to the media. And for whatever reason, he took a liking to me. And I don't know why at the time, but I was 23 years old and, you know, looked like I could be in the lollipop guild. <laughs> and so he's like, well, this guy's got to be harmless. <laughs> so he's not going to stir the pot. Uh, and then uh, Eric Davis, character. McGuire was still on the team. Right. Edmonds had come over. Uh, I feel like I'm leaving people out. That was a great team. Right. And that was a team that, 
you know, swept the Atlanta Braves. Mm. And the Braves are still in the middle of the run. When yeah. Ankiel started and lost his uh, control in game one against the Braves, he was up against Greg Maddox. Wow. And then the Cardinals had to beat Tom Glavin in the next game. That's a I nice one, too. Don't know who, I don't know if it was still Smoltz starting in game three, but they swept him. Garrett Stevenson was the starter. I was at that game in Turner Field. It was like an empty upper deck. And the 2001 Cardinals were a great team that I really do think could have won the World Series had they gotten past the Diamondbacks. 2002, Daryl Kyle and Jack Buck pass away in the same week, and the team goes on to beat and sweep the defending world champions. 2003 was a great team that won more regular season games than the 2006 world champion team but didn't get into the playoffs. And they had a five-game series at Wrigley against the Cubs, and it got super tense, and that's when uh, Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso were screaming at each other. Right. Great stuff. That was great stuff. The 2004 team, I think most people put as the best Cardinal team, including the 2006 and 2011 teams of recent history. For me, but I think it's biased, Jackson, that I put 1985 ahead of them. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that when you're eight or nine years old, perhaps you put things on a bigger pedestal than they deserve. And that's where I might be with the 1985 Cardinals because that was my age range. Like for you, the 2006 Cardinals were oh, in your yeah. sweet spot. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was as cool. To be really into baseball and sports in general at seven or eight years old and to witness a World Series championship is about as good as it gets. I was so young that I actually had to go to bed before Yadier Molina hit that home run in Game 7 of the no. NLCS. So I had to wake up as early as I possibly could to ask my dad what happened he said go look at the paper no. right he said go look at the paper and i looked at the paper and it was yadi and then the, I, I watched on sports center the whole celebration and it was it was like the greatest delayed reaction of all time it was awesome i gotta tell you that's an intriguing little tale you <laughs> it was great because i mean it was east coast so game was late and i was just i had to i had to go to bed i was i probably had school the next morning so I had to wake up as early as possible and read the paper and see uh, what happened. That game seven against the Mets, and so we've just skipped ahead from 2004 when they uh, had an incredible NLCS against the Astros. But I was about to say that game seven against the Mets and that NLCS as a whole is similar to the NLCS against the Astros in 2004. Seven game series. Uh Uh, In the case of the one in 2004, you have the Edmonds home run. But Jeff Kent had a walk-off, and I was in Houston for that, had a walk-off in Game 5, and Edmonds had the walk-off in Game 6, and then Roland had a home run off Clemens in Game 7. Wow. And we're we're still in 2004, (laughs) man. Right. You know, and then 2004, then you have the World Series. And I just remember, you know, we went up to the Cardinals won, I guess, the night after the Red Sox completed their comeback against the Yankees, down 3-0. Mm. I remember being outside of Minute Maid Park doing a live shot, and the Yankees were hammering the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if the Cardinals can win this series, I'll finally get what I've been dreaming of as a baseball nerd, Cardinals-Yankees World Series. Yeah, as good as because the Yankees are in. They're yeah. 3-0. Yep. Yep. Well, the Red Sox come back, win the series, the bloody sock, the whole thing. And the next thing you know... It's the Red Sox. And then we're up in Boston, and 24 hours after the first game, I'm standing on the field at Fenway Park going, we're not coming back here. This thing's over. It's over, which is a weird spot to be thinking. The World Series has just started, but 24 hours later, it's over. But I'm telling you, that night, I think the Game 7 with the Cardinals and and the Astros and Clemens and Roland was on a Thursday night. And we flew in. It's nice of them to fly us into Manchester, New Hampshire, 
TV right station at which I worked. <laughs> so we had to fly into Manchester, New Hampshire. You might be surprised to hear there aren't a lot of non-stops from St. Louis to Manchester, and then drive into Boston traffic, get to Fenway Park. But the Cardinals arrived after us at like 6 o'clock, and oh, they got really? a game the next day. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were partying. They were celebrating yeah. the NLCS, and then I don't know what happened. And then they couldn't get a hotel in downtown Boston. Something was going on. That's crazy. Now, I had one. But I'm a huge, marvelous weekend anchor right, in St. Louis. Right. I kind of have earned this. I'm 25 years old. You're priority one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying it, because if I say it, it can come off the wrong way. Exactly. So then they have to drive out to, like, Quincy, Massachusetts, and they just get the pitching's just not there. Carpenter wasn't healthy. And uh, who start, Woody Williams started game one, Matt Morris game two, Wakefield for them, Schilling for them in game two. And you're just like, they got no chance yeah. and didn't win a game and never had a lead. That's crazy. They had a lead in the World Series. 105 win team. Yeah, that is nuts. So from my standpoint, and I don't know why, like I said, it might be age bias. That Okay, I was 8, 9 years old in 85, so I'm biased, but I look at the 85 team. But you, you try out the 1985 Cardinals against the 2004 Cardinals, it would be like the 1985 Cardinals playing the 1988 A's. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, guys who can absolutely rake versus... I like the idea. I didn't even get to 2011, but it obviously culminates with freezes. But then still, then they went to the NLCS in 12 and were a win away from the World Series, the World Series in 13, and the NLCS in 14. You know? It's crazy. So the run just, and then they won 100 games in 15. So I, I get ending in 2011, but it just has kept going. Right. Uh, all right. I, I assume I'm late for a break. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. I'll just break. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here up until 11 o'clock, and then BK and Ferrario. I got to I got to make sure I get out of here on time. I'm right. becoming guy who encroaches on other shows' time. I did that, I think, two days in a row, and I told those gentlemen yesterday. I said I didn't happen again. So, listen, there's no bigger fan of. So, what'd your grandma think than me? <laughs> Kerber again texting me last night. Chris Kerber co-producer of Bloom right. Party yes. with the Rocky Wirtz sound. Um, uh, God bless him. But uh, I got to make sure I'm out like at what time. You tell me what time I'm out, I'll get out at what that time. Well, we have what a live t- what time read- is it now? 10.47. So My a, goodness. A live read after the last segment. So let's finish the last segment at 10.57. 10.57. Okay. And I think we can, we can Do maybe... Do I need to break in between now and yeah. the next segment? All right. <laughs> so 86... What'd your grandma think for today? But we can, no! but we can double dip tomorrow because we can have the Jimbo Fisher rant and Rocky. All right, it's fine. I, 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 I need what I need to do is I need to make sure I'm not guy coming in <laughs> and going into other people's time slots. That's what I don't want to do because I kind of feel like a guest here anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm more down the hall on H 1057 yeah. HD two. Yeah. We we, we come down here. Me, they let me sw- swim with the adults for an hour here, yeah. and then they say scurry back. Yeah, scurry back. <laughs> your HD2 station. Uh, guys, uh, Jackson, I'm very disappointed in your parents for making you go to bed during a playoff game. This is in reference to you not being able yeah. to stay up. So you're seven or eight years old. Third grade, so October of 2006. Yeah, it would have been seven Boy, or that eight. Would, I, eight. I would have been eight. Do you know what, like, how late you were able to stay up? I Boy. can't imagine going to bed during that game. Again, I, I recognize you're eight. Yeah. I just, I, it was probably like 9.30, and 
And it was probably like, all right, it's time to go. And the game was looking like it was going to go to extras too. So you have that. And once you're up, you don't want to. It was it was a tough beat, but I was awake for the, I guess game five of the World Series, when Wayno struck out Brandon Inge oh. to win the series. I oh, was up. You can't for go to bed for that. Right. So I was up for that, which was probably more important. But watching it like the next morning on SportsCenter, waking up not knowing was kind of like fun. I don't know how to explain it, but it was kind of fun. I get it. Not well, knowing. I, I left. Minute Maid Park before Pujols hit the home run off of Lidge Mm -hmm. and did the morning grind the morning after, then called the morning grind, live from Houston with Jimmy the Cat Hayes and Martin Kilcoin right across from the ballpark the next morning. And they just were laughing about how I left before the home run. And I get it. And for the sake of playing it up, I will act like I can't believe I did that. But my reasoning was it was so loud in there and even though I'm covering it, I don't want to be around when the Cardinals lose right. and all these fans are thrilled. Now, that might sound pathetic, and I'll own it, but that was my thought process. And we had to get up early and do the show the next morning anyway, so I'm just like, I'll watch the end in the hotel room. So when Pujols hit the home run off of Lidge, I was jumping up and down, screaming, and couldn't be happier. And then, but if I were in the ballpark when that happened, we wouldn't have been able to do right, that. You right, can't do that in a right. press box, even though it was, though it was nice. the press box. So I actually liked it. And then I wandered down the elevator because the hotel was right by the ballpark. And then I watched the Astros fans walking like zombies back to their cars, <laughs> going, Oh my God, they're going to get us again, just like they did in 2004. We're heading back to St. Louis. And they're going to get us again because they headed back to St. Louis up to three, up three, two in two thousand four mm. after the cat walk off. Okay, this time heading back to St. Louis, and they're up three two, and all of us thought Cardinals are going to win the next two games. This is a done deal. Bush Stadium two is going to close. They're not going to go out and lose, and then it just it and it couldn't have been more anticlimactic. Yeah, Roy Oswalt shut them down. Mark Mulder pitched the Cardinals, didn't pitch great. And that was it. And that was very surprising right. after that. And tip of the cap to the Astros for picking themselves up off the floor and, and winning. Quick aside, and before we go to a break, are you a bigger fan of Bush 2 or Bush 3? Bush I, 2 all day long, and a lot of the guys who played in both feel that way. Yeah, everyone I Even talk to Even though I know that. that some people don't want me to say that. I also, because I really play down in the kids' pool, <laughs> I'm going to say what I really think. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, I just, I've been I was... playing in the kids' pool my whole career, and I don't really plan on leaving. So, yeah, that's the, so that's the, to me, it's a no-brainer. Okay. What they did with it from 96 until they left in 2006. Now, from a business standpoint, I get why they did it. They needed to raise more, not raise more, generate more revenue. Right. And Bush 3 allows them to do that, that Bush 2 did not. And so, in turn, Bush 3 actually allowed them to have some of the runs they had before they even opened up Bush 3 because they knew they had that money coming, which allowed them to spend more. So so from a baseball standpoint, it's helped. But I loved Bush Stadium, too. At the same time, it's what I grew up with. So I'm sure for some of the people who are older and listening to this and grew up with Sportsman's Park and maybe were eight years old like I was in, in the 80s, and they were eight years old in the 50s or 60s. They go, oh, Sportsman's Park was better than Bush 2 and way better than Bush 3. But what about you? I mean, because you, you got to go to Bush Stadium, too, uh-huh. when you were super oh, young. Yeah. My, my, the first game I remember, I believe J.D. Drew hit a walk-off home run. So pretty awesome. But, yeah, Bush 3 like was 2006, like I said, third grade. That's kind of just like all I really like 
vividly remember is, of course, Bush 3. So I love it, but I'm sure everyone I talk to who was around for both say they like Bush 2 better. Oh, is that right? Oh, That's yeah. interesting. If not, not, maybe not everyone, but the overwhelming majority. Right away, I remember Edmonds telling me the ball just doesn't jump in Bush 3, and he obviously played in both, loved Bush Stadium too. All right, I'm gonna go, seriously. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go until midnight if I if keep talking. Just just cut off my. This wasn't the plan. Was anyway. Just cut my mic. I'll just cut my mic off. This is one on ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jeff, I just want to read this text and then we gotta go. Why doesn't this new guy include the Illini scores on his Sports Center updates? Come on, that's from the 217. And I couldn't agree more. And I went to the University of Missouri, and I even almost graduated. And I still say, why wouldn't you read the Illinois Wisconsin score, Jackson? Well, I don't have a good answer for it, so I'll just say it's uh, very unsports media of you. Yeah, you I don't have... attack this guy. He's right. No, I'm. I should have. Play Wisconsin. I honestly don't know who won the game. So, oh no, you made it worse. Well, at this point, once you dig a hole deep enough, let's throw another log on oh, the fire. You had nothing to say. Well, they won. Illinois won. Nice. Congratulations. Beat the Badgers. That's right. Just because you were able to name the nickname of that Wisconsin school doesn't mean that you're out. Well, I'm telling you, you attacked the six one eight earlier in the week, and now you. Go, I don't know if Illinois won. They beat a top twenty team. Great. All right, we got to go. BK and Ferrari up next. This has been Balloon Party on one hundred one ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.